This is How Did I Get This Far, a podcast tackling the basic skills and knowledge that we all completely missed learning. Soon enough, you'll stop having to ask yourself, how did I get this far? On this episode, wait, I'm supposed to be washing my bed once a week? It's time to find out, how did I make my bed this far? Hello everyone, time for some pillow talk, like literally about pillows. Today's episode is all about bedding. When we spend so much of our time in bed, why not learn more about it? My expert guest today is Lexi Sachs. She is a textiles director at Good Housekeeping, testing products in their lab with real consumer testers and writing about them for the Good Housekeeping website and magazine. These products include home furnishings like bedding and towels, clothing and footwear, accessories like luggage and umbrellas, paper products like toilet paper and paper towels, it goes on. Lexi has a degree in fiber science from Cornell University, and many newspapers, talk shows, and news networks call upon Lexi to share this knowledge as their expert consultant on all of these products. Lexi, I'm so honored to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay, awesome. Um, So how did you discover this interest with textiles and fibers and materials? How did that come about? It's so strange, but I actually learned about it when I was doing the whole college tour thing. Um, And I was at Cornell and I found out about the fiber science program, which is basically part of like a fashion major, but also takes into account all the chemistry and engineering that goes into fabrics. And it just sounded so cool. And I was like, I have to get on this. So that's how it all started. (laughs) Wow. Amazing. And then what led to Good Housekeeping? So I actually interned at Good Housekeeping um, the summer before my senior year and loved it. There wasn't a job available at the time when I had graduated. So I worked in the fashion industry for a little bit. I worked in the home industries. I was doing a lot of product development, merchandising, and so on. So really understanding how products are made and getting onto the shelves for consumers to buy. And I came to Good Housekeeping in 2013. So it's been a little over seven years now. Wow, good for you. Obviously, you work with all kinds of materials and products. Um, Today, we're going to get uh, the basics on that for bedding. Uh, So we'll start with the very simple question. What are the parts of bedding? I know there's some decorative parts, there's some necessary parts. Can you just go over what the parts of bedding are? Exactly. The list sounds kind of long and daunting. But you know, obviously, you need a bed frame, you need a mattress, you need your sheets, your comforter or duvet and your pillows. Um, Obviously, beyond that, there are some things like your mattress protector, which helps protect the mattress, obviously. And then you have your mattress toppers. You have decorative pillows you can use. So there's a lot of must-haves versus things that you can buy if you prefer. Um, But there are some key foundations, and it's really important that you get ones that will last, that will help your sleep quality, because it can definitely affect that. Okay, so we'll go over some of the preferences um, with a little game that I call This Verse That. Um, I'll give you two, maybe three options related to betting, um, and you'll pick your preference and then share a bit of why or any added thoughts that you want to share. Sounds good. Okay, so the first one is queen bed versus a king bed. I'm going to say king for sure. Um, I had a queen for years, and I meet with a lot of manufacturers and a lot of brands, and at one event, someone had said to me, you know, a king bed is two twins put together. So if you're sharing a bed with someone, I'm married. So if you're sharing a bed with someone in a queen bed, that means you have less than a twin size to yourself. And after that, I have never been able to sleep in a queen bed again, knowing that I don't have my space. (laughs) That's amazing. So a queen for when you're single and then a king for (laughs) when it's time to share that bed with someone. Exactly. And if you have kids, I have two kids. So there's no way we could get by with just a queen. (laughs) 
I'm really, really tiny. Well, I'm not really tiny. I'm really short. Is what I'll say. Yeah. I guess I'm small. But um, for me, a king is too big for me. I get yeah. lost. I feel like I need to sleep on one side anyway because I don't know where to go. Yeah. Um, but down the road, it sounds like a king bed is the way to go. Yeah, it's, it's definitely preference and it's definitely about the space you have. But when I was living in the city in a small apartment, you couldn't even open the door when we upgraded to a full to a queen. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it's okay. I don't need to open the door all the way. I need my space though. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll do the next one. Uh, memory foam mattress versus spring mattress. So I actually like a hybrid that has both of them in them. So I didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> yes, it is. So there are... All full mattresses, which have great pressure relief, and there are spring mattresses that have more of the bounce. But you can now find mattresses that have both, and some will have more spring and a little bit of foam. Some will be mostly foam with a little spring, but I like to have the best of both worlds. Fair enough. I I will allow that answer, even though I asked you to pick one. But Okay, the next one, um, a flat sheet with your comforter or just that fitted sheet with the comforter? So... I personally prefer a flat sheet only because it's easier to clean than washing your comforter. So if you're sleeping right under a comforter, you'll have to clean it more often. Um, So I like the flat sheet for just that extra layer of protection. So it's more about what you have to do the laundry for. Yes. Besides that, I don't really care too much. But yes, the idea that it's something, it's one less thing to clean often. Fair enough. I personally hate the feeling of a flat sheet. It's it's too thin. I love the feeling of the comforter, but it does require, it's it's the biggest thing ever. So it makes sense that Agreed. that makes more sense. Uh, okay, the next one, quilts versus duvets versus comforters. But first also, what is a duvet? <laughs> so I prefer a duvet. Okay. Um, the difference really, a duvet is like a comforter, except that it's meant to go inside a duvet cover. So a comforter you use on your own, um, it is a little bit more decorative. A duvet serves the same purpose, but it's usually just plain white, not decorated, not as much of a thick fabric on the outside, and you put that inside a duvet cover. The reason I like that better is because, again, for the sake of cleaning, washing a comforter is very difficult. And if you don't have a large enough washing machine at home, it's not going to work well. You really do need a place where it can move freely in the washing machine. Um, When you use a duvet cover over a duvet, you can just clean the cover and not wash the inside as often. So for the sake of cleaning, I do like the duvet. And then there personally just are so many options for duvets out there right now. And that seems to be super popular. And I do think that the names are used interchangeably. So sometimes when people are shopping for a duvet, they're shopping for comforters that they can use inside a duvet cover, if that makes sense. Like the names get tossed around a lot. Um, You know, a quilt is really more lightweight. um, And so that's something that you can use in the summer. Sometimes you can use like a coverlet too, which is like a comforter, but thinner. So Again, it's a matter of personal preference, maybe a matter of how hot you sleep, but for me, it's a duvet for sure. Okay, perfect. Duvet sounds great. I mean, I know uh, we had talked previously about how difficult it is to get a duvet inside the duvet cover, Mm -hmm. Um, but sounds like that might be worth it if the flat sheet is not your thing and you don't want to wash a whole comforter. Exactly. I think the the toss-up between changing your duvet cover every week or two versus dealing with washing your comforter every week or two is definitely worth it. Okay, we're going to go over washing this stuff later, (laughs) Um, but we'll do one last one for this game. Mattress toppers versus mattress pads versus mattress protectors, and also what are they? So I use a mattress protector and a mattress topper. 
Um, the difference between the three, so mattress topper, like it sounds, goes right on top of your bed. And the, the purpose of that really is to just add comfort. So if your bed is too firm, you can use a foam mattress topper, which will make it a little bit more soft and give you more pressure relief. If your mattress is too, um, is too firm, it's too soft, then you can add something that gives a little bit more firmness. So sometimes instead of having to buy an entirely new mattress, you can get away with investing in a new mattress topper, which can be a hundred dollars. It can be a couple hundred dollars, depending on how thick it is and the quality, but it's really just a way to add comfort. A mattress pad has a little bit of comfort. So it usually has like a thin layer, but it goes onto your bed, like a fitted sheet. So there's some protection there. It can keep dust out. It can prevent if you have spills in your bed. Um, Really, it's kind of like a balance between protection with adding a little bit of comfort. And then a mattress protector does exactly what it says it does. It protects your mattress. Um, you can buy one that goes on like a fitted sheet, so it protects from five sides. Or you can put on a fully encased one, which covers the entire mattress. Um, if you're worried about bed bugs, if you're worried about spills, if you're worried about dust getting into the mattress, like mattresses are very hard to clean. So it keeps all of that out. And, you know, technology has gotten better over the years. So it's not like you think of these like noisy, crinkly, waterproof mattress protectors, like you can't really notice them. So I think you can use a combination of the three. I personally use two. If I had to pick one, I would probably go with just a protector because I want to extend the life of a mattress that you've invested in. Okay, that actually brings me into my first mattress question um, mm -hmm. was how often you should replace one. It sounds like there's some ways to make your mattress last longer but is there actually a time that you should be replacing it and what are maybe some other shopping tips for your mattress yeah so i always say because this is a question that people ask a lot and i always say that you shouldn't think of your mattress as having an expiration date it's not like okay five years are up ten years are up it's time to replace it it's better to look for signs but you know when you think about how long you're going if you're investing in a mattress how long should it last me for usually it's around five to ten years before you'll start seeing some of those signs of wear but really what you want to focus on is First of all, your sleep quality. If you're not sleeping well, if you're waking up in pain, it's a very good sign that you're not sleeping on the right mattress for you. On top of that, you want to look for things like lumps and sags. So if you can see an indent in your mattress, then it's probably time for an upgrade. So those are the major things that you want to consider. And okay, again, so you can oh, go ahead, sorry. I was gonna say you can extend it using some of the other the protective things that can help make it last longer. Okay. So there's not a set it's not like a 10 years or it's always eight years or, or maybe you should just, should you just read the warranties? Is that what that's for? The warranties are more about, you know, craftsmanship. And I find that they're not, you know, they're a little tricky. It's hard to, you, you know what I mean? It's kind of like you, there's not, if you have a problem with your mattress, it might not be considered a, a worksmanship error. It could really be just normal wear and tear, or maybe you didn't use the right type of, um, the right type of bed. Like if you have a bed that has slats on it, if the slats are too far apart and you use a foam mattress, that could cause it to sag faster. So there's a lot of fine details you should pay attention to. And a lot, of, it's very tricky to find, um, you know, a mattress warranty that will get you a good replacement. But I will say a lot of mattresses these days do give you a free trial period. And that's not really to see if it's long lasting, but it's to make sure you like it. So if you sleep on your mattress for two months and you're like, I hate it, there is a good chance that the, the store you bought from or the brand, if you bought from a direct to consumer brand, will give you a refund and will come pick up your mattress. Okay. So the warranty is more about right off the bat, if you like it, not if the mattress is faulty. I'm not even sure what yeah, I thought that word so meant. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, the warranty is really to, you know, account for any errors. And I, 
And I do think that sometimes you start to see if the mattress is going to have issues after the first year. Like when we have people try out mattresses and give us feedback, I like to look at that one year mark because that's usually when people start to see complaints, especially in the full mattresses. Like when you, if you have, if you sleep on it for a month and you're like, this is the greatest thing ever, I would say give it a year. And then if you start to see some indents, that's when I would contact the manufacturer right away. Oh, okay. Interesting. The the different things that could be faulty with the mattress besides if it's just comfortable, there's other right. things to consider. Okay. So you kind of covered it a little bit, bit with, with the, you mentioned bed frames when you were talking about the memory foam. Sometimes I guess it goes with certain bed frames. I, I remember when I had to get a, a bed frame for my guest bedroom in my place, I was picking bed frames and showing my roommates and they were like, Amanda, those need box springs like that. We'd have to make an extra purchase. And I said, what is a box spring? What are you talking about? Uh, So what is a box spring and when do you need one of those? So a box spring kind of looks like a mattress from the outside. It's um, usually about the same height. And if you get a bed frame that's just open in the middle where there's nothing to support the mattress, then you would need a box spring there. So if you think about like a flat surface on the bottom of your bed frame, or if you have slats, as long as they're close together, depending on the type of mattress you get, but you really need something to actually hold up the mattress. So that's where a box spring would come into place. There are certain mattresses where the warranties say you do need a box spring if you're going to use that warranty. So that's something to pay attention to when you shop if you think that might be an option. Um, sometimes people will use box springs if the mattress is really low and you want a high bed, it will definitely lift it up, but that can also be a problem. It can make your bed really high if you have a tall mattress. So it's, you know, you don't necessarily need one if you have a bed frame that has good support on the bottom, but it's definitely an option and definitely is necessary if you opt for a cheaper frame that has no type of support. <laughs> um, when you mentioned, like, obviously you can make your bed higher um, or your mattress higher, is there anything outside of just preference when it comes to the height of your bed? Yeah, I would say it's preference. Um, you know, getting in and out of bed can be a problem if it's too tall or too short. So sometimes when beds are really low to the ground, it can make it harder to get in and out, but also if it's too high, that's obviously harder to get in. I think, you know, the stage you're at in your life, if you have pets, if you have kids, that's something to consider. But as far as your sleep quality, it doesn't have an effect on that. Okay. That makes sense. This, I guess the stage in your life can help determine what you want there. Okay. We'll move on to sheets. Um, Obviously, there's all kinds of materials when it comes to sheets. I can probably name like three. I'm sure you can name like 300. (laughs) Um, So what are some of your your favorite sheets uh, for sleeping or just in general, some of your favorite materials? Yeah, you're right. There are so many options out there. And the amount of things down the market right now can be so overwhelming to people and so many brands out there on top of it. So it's really overwhelming when you're shopping to know where to start. Um, The most popular, not surprisingly, is cotton. So 100% cotton sheets. But even within that, there are so many different types. So one of the main things you'll see is cotton percale versus sateen. And those are the types of weaves. And those are the most common types. Um, Sateen is like a satin weave. So basically what that means is the yarns float over the opposite direction yarn. So you get like a smoother finish. It looks a little smoother on your bed. So less wrinkled. Um, Percale is more of a basic weave. And that is lighter and crisper. Um, Sometimes looks a little bit more wrinkled and casual, but um, it's often less expensive than the sateen weave. So those are the two differences in the common types of sheets you'll see. And most of the popular brands have a sateen option and a percale option, and that's usually the difference. Um, Besides that, you have flannel, which is usually cotton as well, and that is brushed. It's a thicker fabric, and you brush it, and brushing it traps in air, and having that extra air traps in heat. So that's why flannel keeps you warmer. Um, And then there's jersey, which feels like a t-shirt, and it's like that stretchy, soft fabric. 
um, that tends to pill a little faster and it's sometimes too soft for people. Like it's like you feel a little smooth in there. Um, but besides cotton, there's synthetic fabrics. So you'll see a lot of polyester fabrics out there, um, which are durable and they're made to be kind of like athletic gear that you wear. So that helps wick sweat away. If you're a hot sleeper, those can help you. But again, they feel synthetic. They don't feel natural like cotton. There's obviously linen bedding that's huge right now. Sometimes you'll see blends and even something like silk bedding is becoming really popular, but that can cost a fortune. So is there a, your like a preference, like your favorite or what you think? I personally like cotton sateen. That's okay. the most popular. We do a lot of lab testing, but also a lot of consumer testing. So if I'm testing maybe 30 to 40 different sheet sets at a time, we will take the pillowcases for each, we'll wash them, and then we'll lay them out in our lab and have people come through and rate the softness of each fabric. And by far, the sateen fabrics are always the highest in the field test. People always just prefer the feel of them. But again, they're not, they're more expensive. Um, and the fact that some people just don't prefer the soft feeling. They prefer like a crisp bed that feels breathable and airy. So that's when percale would be a preference. Okay. Are this word, These words percale and sateen, are those words you see on the packaging when you're shopping for sheets? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. You'll see them on the websites. You'll see them on the packaging. Um, sometimes they're just like in the exact name, like they'll call it them. But if you look at a brand like Brooklyn or something, they call it like the Lux set is the sateen set. So it's like the higher price point. Okay. So just look for the more expensive one. That's probably Satine. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Another thing that I I assume is always on the labels for sheets is thread count. Um, I don't know if if that's a bragging point to have a certain number of threads. (laughs) Yes. Thread count is the amount of threads per square inch of fabric. So that's why the more threads you can fit in a square inch, the higher the thread count will be. So that's why Sometimes it gets to be really gimmicky and they're coming up with manufacturing ways that don't help the fabric that really just boost the thread count to get the number higher. Um, it really came from the idea when there was only cotton sheets on the market that if you used thinner cotton, or I should say finer, um, the fibers were more uniform, so they were smoother and more durable and you could pack more of them in, which made it a higher quality. So bottom line is that it is one thing to consider when you're shopping, but it only applies to 100% cotton weaves, um, and it's really only one factor to consider. So in our tests, three to 500 thread counts are usually the top performing sheets, but it's not like a general rule of thumb. Okay, so you should... I don't know if that answers your question specifically. There's so much like controversy around thread count, and um, it's not a yes or no answer necessarily. It's really just... You can look into it, but if you see a 1,000 thread count, chances are it's not better than a 500. Interesting. I didn't know that this was a controversial question. That's kind of cool. Lots of drama in the textiles industry. I just got like some of the gossip in the textile industry. That's awesome. So you're saying when you're shopping for sheets, that's not really what to look for. You should just focus on the material. Yes. So you think about the fiber, which is like the cotton or the polyester or the blend or the linen. That's the fiber level. And then the next step would be to look at the construction, which is the weave, the settee and the percale, flannel, whatever it is that you're deciding on. Those are the two most important aspects. Okay. Perfect. All right. We'll move on to pillows because sheets can get pretty, pretty intense. Yes, clearly. (laughs) Okay. So for pillows, um, same question with the sheets. What are the best pillows for sleeping or even just any preference when it comes to pillows? So with pillows, you'll really see more of like the lofty down or down alternative that are like those fluffy pillows. And then there's the memory foam, which is, you know, more pressure relieving support, feels a little firmer, but it's gotten into such a bigger industry where they now have um, 
hybrids of those. So you can get where they have clusters of memory foam with some down alternative fiber blends. So you feel the support, but also the plushness. Um, so there's, there's so many options, like with sheets, like with mattresses. It just seems like you can go down the rabbit hole trying to shop in any of these categories. Uh, but the main thing for pillows, obviously personal preference, like if you like something plush versus firm, but you want to make sure that your neck is aligned. So your head, neck, spine should all be in a straight line without it tilting in any direction. So you have to take into account how you sleep. So if you're on a, if you're a stomach sleeper, you need a pillow that's flat because you don't want your head raised so much. Um, if you're a side sleeper, you do need that support. You want to make sure that your head is elevated so it's in line with your shoulders. So you'll need something that's higher. And if you're a back sleeper, you really need something in between. So sometimes you'll see pillows that have adjustable fill and they say they can be used for all different sleep heights. So in that case, you'll want to find what, what position you're in that keeps your head, neck, and spine aligned. Um, but besides that, most of the pillows in the industry will have a specific you know, connotation for what type of sleeper they're intended for. So you should really pay attention to that. Well, I guess I don't know what I end up on, but I know when I start to sleep, I try all the positions. Mm -hmm. So is there any recommendation on how to know what pillow is right for you? Or do you, is it, you just have to test them all out? I would say what you're, whatever you're sleeping on now, see if your head is tilting in any different direction. And when you wake up, um, what position are you in then? So I always try to fall asleep on my side, but I always end up on my stomach. And I know stomach sleeping is not the healthiest one, but it's just, you know, if that's what you're going to be sleeping in, then try to find a pillow for that. Okay. And then you were talking about um, the different types of pillows as well, about um, the the material, the the texture of them. I think that's what yes, I have to say. Yes, the fill, really. The fill, so right. what's inside the pillow. Um yeah, so down is the most luxurious. It has high loft, which means it's really fluffy, but still supportive. Um, sometimes you get down and feather blends. So down actually is different from feather. It comes from a different part on the duck or the geese. It's like a, it doesn't, it looks like a little cluster. It doesn't look like a feather. Um, so there are two different materials, even within, you know, the, the natural down. Um, and adding the feathers gives it a little bit more support and sometimes lowers the cost. Um, but then you have the synthetic version, which isn't as lofty. You won't get the same, you know, fluffiness of it, but it's easier to clean. It's more affordable. It's vegan. So you don't have the animals used in it. Um, and then when you get into the foam, you can have this firm, solid block of foam, um, which can overheat also because so you'll see them with like holes throughout them a lot because foam is not as breathable. And then now we're starting to see a lot more of these foam clusters where they break up the foam into little pieces and shred it. And that makes it, you get the firm support of the foam, but it makes it a little bit more adjustable so you can move it around. Um, you can add some fiber fill into that so you get some of the plush feel without it being too firm. And that's what's been really popular and has been really performing well in our test is kind of this hybrid where you're mixing these clusters of foam with this fiber fill synthetic down um, and giving the best of both worlds. There you go. Best of both worlds. Once again, we got yeah. the mattress, we got the pillows. <laughs> exactly. So um, are there any other unique aspects of pillows? I know there's all kinds of shapes. Some of them are for decorative purposes. And then just in general, I know you're talking about like neck, back, um, your head. Is there anything else to keep in mind when looking at pillows? Yeah, I mean, most pillows have the same basic shape, but you'll see some, especially the ones that are solid foam that are more contoured for your neck. And those are very specific for what position you sleep in. So you'll see some for sleeping on your, if you're a back sleeper, that will kind of cradle your head and neck to give it the most support in that position. I mean, those are really intended for people who sleep in the same position all night or who maybe have some sort of neck or back pain that they're trying to fight. Um, 
like you said, they're decorative pillows too. So if you're shopping for, you know, something that's more decorative, you don't need to worry quite as much about the quality mm -hmm. of what's inside it. Cause if you're not sleeping on it, then um, it doesn't matter too much. But again, there's, there's a big difference between sleeping on a pillow for giving you good sleep quality and finding, you know, investing in one that will last and give you um, a good feeling when you wake up versus one that you're just going to put inside a decorative case and put there for decorations. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the cases uh, for pillows as well. Um, while I'm looking up my questions for this interview, I come across some words that I don't know or that I've heard and never actually knew what they meant. One of them was a sham. Um, mm -hmm. Honestly, if I didn't see that amongst questions for pillows, then um, I wouldn't have assumed it had anything to do with pillows. But can you tell me a bit about what a sham is? Yeah, so that's basically a pillowcase that's intended for decoration as opposed to sleeping on. So um, if you think about, you know, if you look at a magazine and home decor magazine and you see these beautiful beds with these pillowcases that have the pretty design and the trims around the edges, that's something like a sham. So it's really, it's really for appearance overall. Okay. All right. And then yeah. uh, still going along with different pillowcases, what are your thoughts about silk pillowcases? I feel like they're always highly recommended, um, but I know that they're more expensive. So what is your take on that? So I am a huge fan of silk pillowcases. <laughs> I sleep on one every night. I didn't discover it until we started testing it and reviewing it. It became a huge trend. I want to say maybe like four or five years ago, um, it just kind of blew up. And it's, you know, some of them make crazy promises, like they'll help your skin and they have amino acids. And it's nothing magical going on there. It's not like you're going to be like replenishing the hydration in your skin and it's not going to be giving you any of the you know, acids that are found in silk. But that being said, it's very smooth. And so that can do two things. One, it can prevent creases in your face. So if you're moving around a lot in your sleep, like when you have cotton, it's a rougher fabric. So you can get creases from just the friction of moving in your sleep. When you have silk, it's much smoother, so your face glides over it and you won't have those creases. And those creases are what you see when you first wake up in the morning, but over time they can increase wrinkles. So you have dermatologists who are confirming that, yes, in the long run, if you sleep on a silk pillowcase, it can help prevent wrinkles in that sense. Um, but more immediately, it definitely helps with bedhead. So for the same reason, like you don't have that friction of sleeping on a cotton pillowcase. If you have something smoother like silk, your hair will glide over it and um, we've tested it with real consumer testers and they definitely see a difference in the morning with the quality of their hair. So it's a huge thing. And besides that, silk is temperature regulating. Um, it's a natural fiber. It's not processed in the same way that a synthetic satin is. So you can see polyester satin for much less money um, and you'll get some of the same smoothing benefits, but silk just feels really nice. Um, if you touch it, it feels cool to touch. So if you're a hot sleeper, that's another thing to think about too. It's, it's just comfortable. It works miracles and we love it. My mouth was dropped for most of that description. Yes. Like even at first when you like shut down the magic of it being good for your skin, like you still yeah. said these amazing things that yes. silk pillowcases do. I know. It's like a lot of times I'm so skeptical with things that come into the market. Um, things have crazy claims that I'm like the biggest skeptic, but silk pillowcases, besides what I mentioned as far as, you know, don't believe every claim you read, but they really are a good investment. Um, and they are more expensive, but you can find a really good one for like $40. That's definitely worth the investment. You can get even cheaper ones. Like there are some for like $20. Um, with silk, you think about the fabric weight as opposed to thread count. So um, it's called mummy, pronounced like, you know, an Egyptian mummy. Um, and that basically tells you the weight of the weight of the silk fabric. So you know how much silk is used. Wow. Um, so if you think about 
quality wise, you want to have something that has 22 mummy or higher. There's a lot of cheaper ones that are 19 and those are still good, but they'll show signs of wear faster. You sold me. I think it's worth it. <laughs> and you just need one. You don't have to buy them for your whole bed. So I just use one and I, I sleep with two pillows and one has a cotton and the one that's actually touching my skin will have it. And one other thing I should mention is they now have um, one-sided silk pillowcases. So you're paying for half the silk. You only sleep on one side. So the underside will be cotton. The top side will be silk and you can pay a lot less of a cost. That, I'm so glad you said that because <laughs> I was ready to spend 40 bucks. I guess now I'll spend 20. Yeah. There you go. Okay. That's, that's, that might be my favorite question that I've asked you so far. So thank you for sharing. <laughs> Good. <that>. I'm glad. <laughs> um, my hair is so frizzy, so I can't wait to try a silk pillow and see a silk pillowcase and see if that like solves this. Um, yeah. It might not solve it entirely, right. but you'll definitely see a difference for sure. <laughs> okay. We'll move on to some other questions uh, about bedding. I know we kind of talked if we should splurge on, you know, silk pillowcase. Are there other parts of bedding that we should be splurging on or is this something that can be budget friendly and, and still be okay? Yeah, I definitely think it can be budget friendly. And I think that there's a happy medium. I think going for some of the cheapest mattresses might feel good for a while, but I don't think that they'll get to that five to 10 year mark and still be in the same shape. But at the same time, I don't think you need to be spending $4,000 on a mattress to really make it worth the increase over like an $1,000 mattress. So I would say like in the $800 to $1,000 range, you can still get a really good quality mattress. And same thing with pillows. Our top tested pillow was $60. So that's not cheap, but we see pillows that are over $200. And I just don't think those are necessarily worth the investment for everyone. I think you can get away with under $100 and still get a top quality option. Um, we did see some that were like $20, like an Amazon brand pillow. And those are good for people who sleep on their stomach that don't need that type of support and lift. But, you know, if you, if you are someone who needs like a higher pillow and needs it to hold up your head in a certain position, then you're going to want to spend a little bit more. Okay. This is another thing, I guess, about spend, spending money when it comes to bedding. Should you be changing your bedding with the seasons, especially, you know, with the weather uh, in places where the weather changes a lot? Should you be changing your bedding or is the one bedding year round good enough? I think that's a matter of personal preference and also what's going on like in your micro environment. So if you tend to overheat in the summer. If you don't have AC, then switching out to cooling bedding is definitely a good option. Um, same thing in the winter. Like if you're somewhere where it's super cold, then going for flannel bedding is a great choice. But if you have pretty good temperature control in your room or it doesn't get to extreme temperatures, or if you personally don't like get freezing or don't sweat in your sleep, then you're a-okay to use the same bedding all year long. That's a good point. I didn't even think about when people um, sweat in their sleep. That's a whole nother conversation. So oh yeah, good, good <laughs> advice. Okay. The, this is the big question. How often should you be cleaning your bedding? I mean, ideally once a week. Um, once a week? Would be ideal. <laughs> I know. It sounds crazy, but that's like kind of like best case scenario is once a week. I would say at most every other week, like really should be, you should be cleaning your bed at least every other week. Um, we have an entire cleaning lab at Good Housekeeping. So I cover the actual textiles, but we have people whose job is solely dedicated to cleaning products and how to clean and all that tips. And, you know, they're hard, hard rule is every other week. But again, that's not necessarily every single part of your bedding. That's really just the part like your sheets and your pillowcases, what touches your skin directly is what's most important. You know, there are tons of, like I said, I'm very against a lot of the gimmicks and there are tons of bedding out there that claim you don't have to wash it as often because they're infused with things like silver and that fights bacteria. But even besides bacteria, I mean, one, you have to think about how much silver are they actually using in the bedding? Like I've seen some with barely any amount. So is it really helping? But on top of bacteria, I think the bigger issue is like the dust that comes into your bedding. Um, you could be facing allergies and you have your dead skin cells and your body oils. 
um, you know, if you sweat in your sleep, your bed can still be dirty without you having to worry about bacteria. So I would wash it every other week. I think it's worth it. Okay, perfect. Every other week sounds like a tried and true Happy answer. Yeah. All right, my last question. What should you do with your old bedding when you're ready to buy new bedding? What's the best way to either dispose of it or give it a new life? What do you suggest? I think the most popular answer is to donate to animal shelters. I find that they have um, a need for things like towels and bedding to use with the animals. Um, There are also a ton of options for textile recycling. So you can just check in your local community. Some have it at farmer's markets. Some have drop-off containers and parking lots. So just look into a way that you can recycle it. Um, Some clothing stores even will have textile recycling things built in, um, really where they will find new purpose. Sometimes these fabrics get reused as insulation when they're building houses, like just finding new use because the textile industry is a huge contributor to a lot of the environmental issues we see. So it's always good to try to be mindful of that when you're upgrading your textiles. I've heard that too, that it is a big contributor to the issues that we have with our earth. And if there's a way that we can do our part getting rid of something the right way. Yeah. I love that. Uh, Well, I'm really glad that I got out of bed today to talk about bedding with you. Um, For those who want to learn more about the products and textiles that you research, what's a great way to follow up and learn more? So on our website, goodhousekeeping.com, we have everything we talked about today. We have the best pillows you should buy. We have mattress shopping tips. Anything you could possibly imagine about bedding, you can find on our website. Um, you can follow me along at Lexi Sachs, it's L-E-X-I-E-S-A-C-H-S. So sometimes I'll share some of the things we're testing at work and some products we're reviewing. So your job is so cool. Like I actually was so excited when I reached out to you and heard back uh, because you're, first of all, you're a super impressive person and the company you. you work for is obviously so well known. Thank you. Yeah, I do have the, I have the most fun job imaginable. It's like, playing with product all day. We get to see product before it comes out. We get to, you know, meet with different brands. It's it's really the most fun job I could possibly imagine. So I feel very lucky. That's amazing. Uh, Well, again, thank you so much for your time today. I'll rest easy now that I know more about betting. Um, And to all the listeners, sleep well tonight and we will see you next time. Thank you. Is there another basic aspect of life that you cannot grasp? Send your topics to howdidigetthisfar at gmail.com and tag at howdidigetthisfarpod on Instagram with any helpful hacks. Well, that's as far as we will get for now. I'm Amanda Ogan. Thanks for listening.